Hey everybody, Chuck and Stacy here with VO Buzz Weekly. Ooh, Chuck. Dragon Ball fans are celebrating around the world. Why? Because Goku, Goku is, is here. here! Sean Schemmel, you ready? Let's get Buzz. Turn it up. Get ready. You're tuned in to VO Buzz Weekly. Weekly. And now, prepare to get seriously buzzed with your hosts, Chuck Duran and Stacy J. Aswan. Well, we are super excited because we have... He is here. He is here. Goku, King Kai, Master Khan on Teenage Mutant oh, Ninja Turtles. Oh, you did your research. Thank right? you. <laughs> yeah. We're so excited he's here. We're just going to get right to it. He is the amazing Sean Schemmel. Hi. Yeah! Thank you for having me. It's We're pleasure. getting buzzed. Congratulations. Shake hand, my handshake. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's great to see you again. Oh, nice meeting you. Yes. Thank you. Last time we, uh, I saw uh, Sean ago. was at an airport. That's right. And we were coming back from, uh, from a con. Rock Sugar, my band had just played, and he was at the airport. And I'm like... Dude, who are you? Because I'm sitting there at the con, and there's this one guy all the way at the end, and he's got a line that's like bigger than like this line over at, uh, at the uh, In-N-Out Burger, right? Yes. It's like huge, right? I wish I'm like, wasn't In-N-Out so, Burger. So I'm asking people, I'm like, who the hell is that guy Who's over that there? Guy with oh, the that's Sean. That's Sean Chimble, man. Uh, I'm like. Oh my God! It's like you have like fans like crazy. I am. I feel blessed in the sense that I'm Dragon Ball is you know, I, Dragon Ball is the gift that keeps on giving. And it's been giving to you for a long time. I, I've been doing uh, playing this character for over 18 years now. 18 uh, years. Yeah, dude. since 1999, I started on the show. My goodness gracious! And we every time we think it's over, <laughs> uh, Toei Animation will call Funimation and go, "There's more." And the Funimation will call me and go, "Time to be Goku again." And I'm like, "Time to make the donuts." Oh. And, uh, then I go make the donuts. In this case, they're extremely painful screams that yes. I, I have to do yes. <laughs> a lot Oh my of. God, and we're going to talk about those yeah. a little okay, bit yes. later for sure, man. And we should talk but, about it from a technical perspective because people ask me how yeah, I'm able to do it. And a absolutely. lot of my, my background in, in classical music and singing really helps with that. Because I worry mm -hmm. about these kids doing these, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, but I get these requests. There'll be those like Scream Like Goku Day yeah. in some public park somewhere, mm -hmm. right? And there was like, when are you going to do that? And I'm like, the last thing I want to do when I'm done being Goku <laughs> is, is go to a park and yeah. scream my head off. But I worry that some of these kids are, you know, possibly permanently damaging their yeah. voice. So I'm, I, I feel like I, I have a moral responsibility to kind of, if you're gonna scream like Goku, here's the healthier way to do it, mm -hmm. and pay yeah. attention to these things in your voice. Oh, if, absolutely. Well, if, let's talk yeah, about yeah. that right yeah. now. We can, in sure. fact, we found a little clip on YouTube of you screaming in a session. Oh, is that the one so, from Battle of Gods? Or? I, don't, I, don't, I don't know which one it is, but yeah. check it out right here. Bam. Yeah! I will not let you destroy my world. So how do you how do you do that and 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 how do you stop yourself from freaking losing the voice? Uh, the, the, to me and and you know our, our our friend Jess can attest to this as well. Um, the legendary Jess Harnell as a singer. Uh, protecting your voice is all about breath support yep. and paying attention to, to what kind of feedback you're getting in your voice and being able to hear yourself. You know, I get a lot of flack sometimes for cranking my cans. I do it for two reasons. I have a little hearing loss in this ear, but not from voice acting. Um, but largely I do it, and I've done it since the beginning of my career because um, when you put headphones on and if you can't hear yourself well enough, you may strain and pull and True. push right. further than you need to. To uh, so that having a lot of sonic feedback for me is really is really critical. I always like to say I like to hear. I want to feel like the the microphone is down in my throat, mm -hmm. and, and the other reason for that is I want to hear those real subtle changes 
uh, that I, I can hear when I don't have headphones on, but I can't hear once I put headphones on because we hear our, like if you do this, this is kind of what you'll, you yeah. know, you see old announcers doing this, you're reflecting right. the sound back yep. into your, right. in your ears. You can really hear your vocal cords in great detail and then immediately you don't want to talk as loud because you can hear yourself really good, mm -hmm. which is another great way to protect the voice. But the screams I do are, are totally 100% <laughs> full on to the wall screams. So these are real screams. Because yeah. well, the kids would know otherwise. You can't, yeah. you can't phone that in. Yeah, if you're going ah, no, you have to go all out blood curdling. And you yeah, do. Yeah. There is well, curdling blood everywhere. <laughs> well, well, yeah. You know, it's, it's all dictated by the animation. Because the, yeah. when I first got on the show, I might, you know, I, I watched the show and we were dubbing versus prelay. You know, when you, you were laying down the track before the animate. And I would watch the track, and I'm like, I gotta match that intensity visually. Yeah. And I always feel like I'm, I'm kissing the bottom of it, but never quite making it. And I kind of like that, because I'm always never, you always gotta push, push farther. So for me, um, if you're screaming and you're, you know, want to scream like Goku, which camera? Like, you want to scream like Goku? Um, you know, make sure you're using just gobs of air. And if you and if you expel the air too fast, you do risk passing out, which I have I've done once or twice uh, in the booth. Uh, and luckily, booths are padded. I can just see it. Just see oh, yeah. sliding down yeah. the wall. No, it was it was a lot like that. It was yeah. it was in Dragon Ball GT during the Kamehameha <laughs> Super Saiyan Four, and I was like Kamehameha, and it was ah, and I miscalculated the the aperture of my vocal cords being larger than normal because the pitch was lower, and I went ah, and I just went, and I remember oh, no. falling to the ground thinking this is fun, like. Passing out was fun, I'm right? And then I hear on the, 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 the my director's on the headphones like Sean, you okay? I'm like, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I was on the floor. You couldn't see me because of the window, you know. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm okay. Just, just, just give me a couple seconds. I'm just gonna stay down here for a little just bit. meditating. Just, yeah, just hanging out. Yeah. So uh, copious amounts of air uh, are really and it's breath support from the diaphragm is very important. Mm -hmm. And if you feel sharp pain in your voice, if you feel like the aching, I've been yelling too much at a concert. Probably try to stop. Yeah. yeah. But if you're okay there, once you start feeling that sharp pain, yeah, that you should have stopped ten or twenty minutes ago, mm -hmm. that's when I pay attention to it, because then you you're, you risk developing a vocal notes. Right, and right. You, want, you, you do not want vocal notes. So do you do, yeah, do um, you do any, um, any particular warm-up or cool-down? Um, I don't do any warm-ups or cool-downs other than um, I, I'm so used to doing this voice and, I, and I'm, I'm using, I, I talk loud generally and, and uh, if it's early in the morning I might need a bit of a warm-up. But usually I just check my range for my falsetto down, mm -hmm. then I do a weird warm-up I have which stretches the vocal cords. Do you cords. do it by going like, I go, and I try to, when I get low, I try to go, I try to get the tubon, yep, yep, yep. the monks, the, yep. the yes, multiphonic yes, thing. Because yes. I find if I do a, a multiphonic, like, once that starts really growling, yeah. I know everything is just starting to loosen up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I usually try to start a session. If we've got a lot, a big fight right out of the gate, I'll tell the director, I'm like, can we just do some dialogue for a little bit, yeah. just to warm get in that space? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can warm up with the dialogue. Um, <clears throat> and and it's sometimes I'll need a diction uh, warm up, and I will do the <laughs> warm ups, yep. or I will mm -hmm. do. It was over enunciating with two yes, fists. Yes, yes. I now have it to do That's online. awesome. I know. I love to that really mm -hmm. stretch those things. Yeah. Uh, of course, the, you would never want to talk like that in real life. No. I have a friend of mine who does, though, <laughs> who I incessantly make fun of. Hey, Sean, nice to yeah, see he you here today. I only, his name is Brian Brown. And, and I play his, his outgoing <laughs> message to Brown. a friend. His name is Brian Brown. Brian, if you're watching, he, he knows <laughs> I do this. Hi, Brian Brown. He won't Brown. care. He, <laughs> lo he would love this. And he goes, he goes, hey, man, how's it going? He goes, hey, man, my name is Brian Brown. And he just has this way of enunciating. <laughs> yeah. That I make fun of incessantly. I always call him up. And one time I played his outgoing message to a fan because he, I go, you look like my friend Brian. And he goes, he goes, is he Hispanic? I go, no, I guess you're Hispanic, Brian Brown. He goes, yes, I'm Hispanic, Brian Brown. Yeah. He's like, hola, cómo estás? It's and very newscastery. It was very newscastery. Yes. And I played the outgoing message, and he goes, 
That guy sounds like Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little bit like that, right? So yeah. So just to okay. close the uh, the screaming. Uh, oh uh, yeah, screaming. Portion of this. Uh, yeah. Air interview. support. <clears throat> Air support. And so, what about if you do get a little, you know, I, I, overused? I, I, how do you remedy that? Here's how you. Re I've seen a lot of people. I don't rely on a lot of these. Like, there's a well. There is a Chinese. There's yes. a couple of Chinese tinctures and a Chinese. There's a syrupy stuff that everybody eats around mm -hmm. here, which I, I have used before, and it is helpful. I try not to rely on that stuff during sessions or in the booth because you don't. I learned from being in classical music that you don't want to have something in your routine that you might become psychologically dependent on. So I knew a lot of brass yeah. players are using car mix, and then if they didn't have their car mix, they're like, oh, I can't play without my car mix. I'm yeah. like, you gotta be able to play naked. You gotta be able to play without extra things. Yeah. So I don't wanna be like, oh, hang on, I'm gonna get my specialties. And then you get start getting insecure, and then you get in this insecure loop and, mm -hmm. of, of relying on external things instead yeah. of technique. So I'm a big believer in relying on technique to protect your voice in the session, Post-session, I can tell you a dear friend of mine who uh, is a... Uh, but, but you had to learn that. Like, you did, probably didn't know that. In oh, the, I didn't know that. I learned, well, I learned it from, from being... In, I was a <coughs> vocal minor in college, and I was also a choir director when I... My dad's a Lutheran minister, and, and I directed his choir for a year, and, and working with... And my sister's a choir director, so... You know, I had a lot of my, my and I'm from being a French hornist, uh, protecting your lip was all right. about technique. So yeah. I kind of took that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about. Well, you have that discipline. Too. A discipline from using the right technique. Yeah, and now, cool. post uh, a session, if it's hurting real bad, the number one rule don't talk, lots of water. Yeah. And a friend of mine uh, who's a singer, songwriter, he lost his voice real bad. And the doctor saw, he says, Yeah, it looks like you're getting a node. Mm. He goes, What should I do? He said, I don't want you to talk for a year. And so he had to carry around a dry erase board. And I went and visited him while he's doing this. And we we're driving along. And he wanted to tell me something. He had to pull over the side of the road right on a dry erase board. And then uh -huh. I could talk back to him. And what ended up happening is that it didn't work. And he had to have surgery. Mm. And he can still sing just fine. But he says it's less, it, it requires more effort now. But yeah. he can still sing. Uh, just fine. Yeah, but because whispering is very bad. Yes, whispering's bad. Uh, whispering all the time, whisper. you, you don't want to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, main thing for me, though, after a Dragon Ball session is either is to not, uh, and, and, and you know, you, you know, you lose parts of your I, voice. I can't imagine you doing vocal rests, like not talking. I oh, just, yeah, no, oh, <laughs> you know, that's, that gets that's me in trouble. Not, that, that gets you in trouble. It does, it does, yeah, because I won't. Yeah, he has duct tape, because he has <laughs> Yeah, he has to duct tape himself. <laughs> I have lost two Cartoon Network jobs because I was out of town at a con, and I just wouldn't shut up, and oh, I came back and couldn't do the back. gig, and they're like, Sorry, we got to go with someone else. Oh, so man. I, now I have. A, that's why. Well, that's why fans who come up to me and say, "Please do the voice," and yes. I've been really strict about it, is because I'm talking eight hours a day. Yeah. And then they want me to do Goku, and Goku's mm -hmm. in my higher register, which is a. Uh, I'm a baritone. So what, it's is, up. what does Goku sound like? Goku's up here. Speaking of that, yeah. do it right. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, here, he's here now. Goku's up here. He's not going to be doing, killed unless he's you know doing the one of the uh, right. The, so the he's kind of like a young superhero. Yeah, he's a young superhero, and the voice is up here, and then you got to do yeah. You gotta scream, and that's like a one tenth the volume of yeah. how much. <laughs> so let me ask you this: from from all the cons, what what are like the, the the top voices that your fans ask you to always like? Hey, can you do this voice? Are there mm. like are there like a few that they, they always well, they, ask they for? They usually are hyper focused on Goku or the Kai voice, which is like this guy. I know, I love him. And that's a fun one to yeah. do. <laughs> which, which to me is like Buddy Hackett. Does or he something. snort? Does he, does he, does he does snort. Yes, he does. Snort. He's juicy. Yeah, he's juicy because yeah, he big out. And yeah, I thought he sounded like you know Buddy Hackett. So I'm like, okay, I'll, that's what I'm gonna do. So um, that's a fun one. And then I was there's a couple of weird voices I did strong and Fallout, which is a mutant companion. Yeah, he's all you know, strong man. Just like the Hulk, you know, it's right. like that sort of right. thing. So I get asked to do that. I get asked to do some Pokemon voices I worked on. Um, and then sometimes they ask me to do. We, we a couple years ago we were doing the Dragon Ball Resurrection F tour, and we went to the Nerdist, and they wanted us to dub. 
movies as our character voices. So they had me dub the, the speech from the president on Independence Day as King Kai. Oh my God. And oh, I, that's Chris cool. Sabat had given me a, I couldn't sleep because I don't sleep well when I travel. And Chris is a warm, walking pharmacy. And, uh, and I mean that in the best <laughs> way possible. Uh, but he, uh, he always has something for whatever ails you in terms of, so I say, hey, let me, like, do you have an anti sleeping pill? And it was a Lunesta or something like that. <laughs> oh, and no. it missed. So I was there. Pretty, it was a Lunesta? Or something like that. I think it was a Lunesta or an Ambien. I'm not sure. Oh, no. Probably even yeah. worse, right? So I, it had not worn off. And so I was there at the thing and I was like. You must have been super fun. I was totally out. So I ended up doing the speech and it was like King Kai going, yeah, we saw those alien scumbags. You don't match with the human race. You know, it was something. And it went viral and it's, I don't know, a couple million views or something like that. And I was like, and everybody, they asked us, to, you gotta do more of those movie things. And we want to do those things, but we have to be careful because that's yeah. one of those things that's like, we have to get it all, everybody's got to get, there's all kinds of approval. Yeah, exactly. And you're refusing footage. You got, so it's mm -hmm. something we'd like to do more of, but there yeah. are uh, powers that be that we have to yes. kind of check and, and we're hoping to do, we've been talking with Funimation about doing that more uh, for all of our respective channels, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. generate buzz mm -hmm. and get you know, fan interest and, and, and entertain our fans, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what man. we want to do. Yeah. I mean, I love entertaining people. So, so. cool. You, you, you know what? You are really, I'm sorry, Stacy, but I just yeah. got to take a second here to say, you're a great entertainer, man. Well, thank you. Because one of the cool things, I mean, pa I, the passion. The yeah. Passion and, is so and because palpable. because you're not you're not a fake dude. You're like, this is, when you see Sean oh. <laughs> here on this show, or you see him on an interview, you go you to are. a con and you meet him and you see him, you always get the same guy. Well, you know, and you're freaking funny as well, shit. Well, thank you. <laughs> I <laughs> can say shit. You can say shit. Uh, <laughs> There's a reason for that, actually. Twice. It's funny that you mention that, because we can all talk about this as, pe as people who do, uh, you know, I entered show business um, not as a normal actor. I yeah. came from classical music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, one of the things I noticed when I first got the part, I felt a lot of like unconscious or conscious pressure to kind of be something that I wasn't in front of my fans. So early on in my career, I was kind of like trying to be a Goku-like guy. And yeah. that character lives in me. Right. But I realized, A, it was exhausting. B, I, I was slowly, I didn't want to create a cult of personality. And C, I really wanted to be able to uh, be real with my fans because yeah. I would watch other celebrities who, you know, some I respect, some I don't feel as good about, <laughs> who are obviously not being real and they're kind of manipulating. I don't want to have a manipulative relationship like with fans. I'm, I'm, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You don't have to say. I don't want to mention anybody. I don't want to mention anybody. It's a shame Sean's last appearance uh, Just a last name I just we'll pissed do. off all of Hollywood. Just a last uh, name will do. He's not being booked at cons, it's weird. It's, it's weird, um, but I, I noticed that and I thought, you know, well they can do whatever they want and I ultimately can't judge them, but for me, I realized that the more I did that, the more exhausted I was, the more, and then what happens is you get into this dynamic and I ran into this once when some fan gave me a hard time about about cursing, and part of it was also preserving my humanity, meaning people are so into the character and they really project onto you that your character. So one time yeah. I think I was on a Facebook page or something, and I'd used a curse word or something, mm -hmm. and I said, yes, I also poop and have sex. I'm a human being. Like, I, yeah. I, I want right. to preserve that, right. yeah. uh, especially as should I become even more successful. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm certainly no Tom Cruise or anybody who's really in the public eye. Like, you yeah. and I, are, we're mildly in the public eye. But oh, I thought, well, I'm more in the public eye than you yeah, are. Yeah, definitely, and on now, stage. you're really in the public eye. <laughs> you're in the global eye now. I'm in the global eye. Yeah. yeah, you're, you're in more the public eye, especially being with rock bands and stuff like that. So you know how it is. Totally. And then I would watch other celebrities get hounded at airports. And then I started to get hounded at airports mm -hmm. when I go to Florida. And I am not cool with that. So I'm like, I got to preserve my sanity because then what happens is your fan base can start to control you. In other words, if you start not representing who you are mm -hmm. and you're representing something you're not, then what happens is, you know, uh, like a friend of mine told me I had to be a role model. And therefore, I did. I go, I, I, no, I don't want to have to change my, because of my job, change my moral code or what I believe yeah. in. 
yeah, what yeah, I'm doing yeah, yeah. to be something for someone else. Now my fans are now controlling who I am. Yeah. Versus yeah, you don't want to. I don't want to do that. You want to so, be you yeah. no matter what you do. But for you, I mean, you're and especially. You're one of the few that are so fortunate to have these characters that go on. And oh, yeah, I am fortunate, And then yes. for some people, they lose the ability to realize that you are a human being, be that you are literally him and he is you. Yeah. So I think it's it's. it's I'm trying to preserve to, my sanity is yeah. what I'm trying to do. And, yeah. and I think it's, uh, it's something that was more... Uh, apparent to me because I did not grow up in acting. Right. Uh, I grew up in classical music, and as you know, being you know, for in classical music, there's 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 nepotism, but there's less of it, and there's it's less of a popularity contest. This auditions are screened. Right. Yes. You know, they really care about performance only, and so that's why even when I had a fan ask me to uh, sign their arm so they could have a tattoo, they wanted you to sign their body. Their they wanted me to sign their arm, and then they were gonna have the tattoo artist go over that with my signature, uh, okay. which made me very uncomfortable because I'm like, okay. You know, you know the trajectory of various actors. I'm like, yeah. okay, now you. I go, I, I'll do it, but you have to promise me one thing. If you find out later in life that I'm some kind of asshole or axe murderer, <laughs> or I become, I, I feel like I'm a good guy now. I might be a jerk 20 or 30 years from now. Don't cut your arm off. They and, can laser it off. Yeah, you can laser yeah. it off. I said, I don't want you don't to be. Don't cut your arm off. Don't cut your flesh off. Don't try to keep my work separate from whether or not I become an asshole. Yeah. Um, and I think artists, I really need to do that because the point I like to make when when fans are like, are like, well, I'm not gonna like. I got a hard time because I was a I was a, a politically very liberal and I was posting about my political feelings and some fan was didn't agree with me and they were like, well, I don't know if I watch Dragon Ball because you like so and so. I said. My political leaning should have nothing to do with your art choices. Did you check to see if your plumber supports your guy or your electrician? Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have opinions. We all, you right. know, and to keep right. our art separate from our political leanings, um, you know, I feel like, you know, I, 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 there's a lot of classical composers I know were complete total bastards, and I still listen to their music. Yeah. Uh, and, but but when you think, use that as an agenda to yeah. further your negative cause, that's <laughs> right, a different story. Right. Absolutely. But that's now different. We, we have access like we've never had before. True. I mean, you know, growing up, you would see a movie star or a TV personality, and you had no idea what kind of coffee they drank yeah. or what kind of lifestyle they lived because, it, and so there was this mystique. Now. Now you know everything. We know everything probably more than we should. Oh, yeah. Plus, yeah. you get access to people in a way that's really, I mean, there's, there's totally. no privacy. Hey, I want to know something, man. How did you How did you originally get the role of... Uh, Goku. Yeah, I have Goku. answered this question a jillion times, but I still think it's a good story to answer. And, and I think you're going to say, so yeah. I'm not going to well, tell you. No, so I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I totally tell uh, No, tell, tell us, please. Well, the, the, the weird thing about it was... Um, were you well, doing? A, were you doing voiceover before? No, I that? wasn't. I wasn't. Okay, so that that sets it. That was kind of strange. Well, here's what was going on uh, with with that situation. I well, there's a little backstory because I, you know, I have a, a background in classical music. But before, yeah, give that, us a little bit of the uh, the backstory. Well, the backstory. Back to Iowa. Yeah. Let's go back. Back to, to Iowa. Iowa. I was born in 1968 in Waterloo, Iowa. Um, I have the same birthday as my mother. I was born on her 20th birthday. <laughs> exactly to the day, so she did not That's have fun. Quite a gift. Well, <laughs> apparently a I was a giant gift. pain in her ass. According to according to her, I was a ball of energy. Um, I was running around like crazy all the time, and and I I was fast as a small child. I was fascinated with voices in general, just news commentators, Charles Kuralt, Walter Cronkite, Howard Cosell. Then I really got fascinated with Bill Cosby records. My mom had all these Bill Cosby records. I'd listen to him, and I learned a lot. You know, I know he's in trouble now, and we want to throw him away, and, and I get that he's done some awful things, but, you know, he the, he's still an amazing, uh, and was an amazing uh, artist, and I learned a lot about how to tell stories yep. from mm -hmm. Bill Cosby. Um, and and, and, I, and I, by the way, just for the record, I support all the women who have come forward on that. That is that is a horrible thing to have gone through. I've never gone through anything like that, but I, I'm, I'm guessing 
guessing that that is not a fun experience uh, for anyone. And so I just want to clarify that. But as far as the art is concerned, I uh, uh, I learned a lot from that guy, and I listened to a lot of those records. And then I got really into uh, really into Rich Little. I don't know if you guys are Rich Little, is, but oh, he's course. a you guys got to know who Rich Little is. Yeah, I, I would watch Rich Little, and I think the key for me was I was watching Rich Little's show. And he was doing impersonations of stars from the 30s, 40s, and 50s I had never heard of. And I didn't care. I was a little kid. I was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. And he would turn into Jack Benny, who I'd never heard of. But right. for me, it was like, oh, my God. How could he do that? He's a different person. Yeah, How do you do that? Person, yeah. He's a different person. He didn't even put a wig on or nothing. Yeah. Like, I was freaking out. I go, I want to do that. I want to be a different person just by changing my voice. That'd be the coolest thing ever. Right? So I start playing with voices. And I think that one of the first voices I did was a Popeye voice. And then, uh, then an Arnold Horshack voice. I was trying. <laughs> hi, hi, how are you? I'm yeah. Arnold Horshack. Yeah, I was trying to do I that. I remember that. I was funny. And I was trying to <laughs> pop <laughs> I kept trying to, and then, and so I was, so I was trying to do voices all the time, and then it all kind of. I remember being playing in the Six Flags marching band, and they had that. I was playing with all my buddies in this marching band. I got a job playing in the, in the theme park, and they had that record yourself in a you know karaoke track. Oh yeah, those yes. were huge. Yes. Yeah, those were huge. So I was at Six Flags Over Texas, yeah. and I record. I went in and I recorded. Popeye singing a George Michael song, and I had a bunch of, of curse words did. in it. Yeah, and and they go, hey, would you mind recording that again, but don't use any curse words, and we'll play it over the loudspeaker. And I'm oh. like, cause that's really good. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I think the song was Faith, and <laughs> and I recorded it, and it was like, and I did the scat in the middle. You know the whole. You know the whole Popeye. For this river become the oh shit. I gotta have me spinning just because I gotta have me. I think that's what it was. <laughs> Instead of faith, right? Yeah. So they played that over and over. And then I remember a couple years later, somebody told me, you're that Six Flags thing? There's some guy who does a Popeye impression. I'm like, holy crap, that's me. That's totally me. Anyway, so this is going on. My friends are like asking me to go to parties. And then I did stand-up comedy very briefly when I was 18 or 19 years old. And I remember doing a lot of like Teddy Ruxpin jokes and RoboCop jokes. And, <laughs> you know, I did this Teddy Ruxpin goes to hell joke where it's like yeah. Teddy Ruxpin Satan, you know, doing his demon eyes and shit like that. He so was, was a creepy little bear. He was a creepy little bear. So I remember doing voices. My friends are constantly wanting me to do voices. And then there was this open casting call in the Dallas Observer. It said wanted voice actors for a national cartoon. Now, I had no, I was like, whatever. But a friend of mine is an actor and they're like, you got to do this. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm a French horn player and a teacher, and I'm happy. And that's fine. Little yeah. did I know I wasn't a happy. A French horn I'm a classically player and a teacher. That's what I was. Yes. And I was playing my French horn in orchestras and teaching about 30 different kids how to play the curly 12 and a half foot tube. <laughs> Stick your hand in the bell. And uh, and uh, I, 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 there was an open casting call, and they kept pressuring me. And I'm the kind of guy, though, that when I decide to do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I went home after school every day, because I was teaching at a school. So I went home after school, and I would watch Dragon Ball. It was already airing on Cartoon Network. And there was a Canadian cast mm -hmm. uh, in the Ocean Group in uh, Vancouver. Yeah. And so I was watching the episodes, and it was a series of episodes, for those of you who watch the show, where Piccolo is in the forest with Gohan trying to train him and being essentially an abusive alien friend, um, which his parents were okay with him doing, sending Gohan out in the woods with a strange <laughs> alien green man. Um, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. So Gogo and Chi-Chi aren't the best parents. But um, so I, I watched it. I'm like, there's only two characters on the show. I'm not going to. And they already have voices. They have these two guys. I didn't know they were switching. I didn't know anything about yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah. 
So I get to the audition and I find out that they're moving cat they're moving the show from Canada to America for whatever financial reason they they had at the time, Funimation had at the time, and they wanted to voice match it. And um, I was like, voice matching? I do voices all the time. Cause great, no problem. I can do voice match all day. So they put me in a room with a VCR and they said, we want you to just watch this videotape and sit in here for about 20 minutes, we'll come get you. And I want you to copy these voices. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I'm doing the voices and the, 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 I'm telling the longer version of the story because I think it might be useful to aspiring voice actors because I made some mistakes but I also did some things right that I learned from classical That's music. That's good. One of the things I did right is I, I was in there and I'd gotten through all the voices and I was sitting there. Now, as if I were a younger musician, I would have kept doing it, but I might have blown my voice out. But yeah. I knew better from being a singer and from classical music. I'm like, you know what? My voice is starting to get tired. I'm just going to sit here and just read the script. So I saved my voice to go in for the audition. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned for about 12 different guys, and all the parts I wanted I didn't get. And the Goku <laughs> part, uh, especially Captain Ginyu, who gets killed like in the second season, I get good that you didn't get yeah, him. Yeah, totally good. Yeah. I didn't we get that. We had a very short career. Yeah, we, we, we would be here with you right now. <laughs> Totally, I would Captain Yet. Yeah, I wouldn't even be here. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 I remember doing the Goku voice. I remember doing all the other voices. And then a couple weeks later, Chris Sabat, who's now a dear friend of mine, he's the voice of Vegeta, mm -hmm. but he's also a prankster. So he he is so funny because I the, the mistake I made is I called every day. Hey guys, did you cast that show yet? I'm, am I in it? You know, I was totally oh. calling them when I should not be calling them. Yeah, yeah. They, they say don't call us, we'll call you for a reason. Chris Sabat calls me up after we did the Dragon Ball editions, and he was not a friend of mine at the time. I did not know him. Um, we are very close friends now. We've been working together on the show for uh, 18 years, and he's the voice of Vegeta on the show and many others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's also the director of the show. And he called me up, and he wasn't a director at the time. He was just staff at Funimation making the phone calls, and he, I think, was an assistant director or something. Um, I don't know exactly what his job title was. And he called me, and I was like, hey, Sean, uh, he's a really deep voice. Like, hey, Sean, uh, we're going to cast this Dragon Ball show, and uh, we just want you to know that uh, you're going to be Goku. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> You sure I didn't get Captain Ginyu? Because I feel like I really killed that Captain Ginyu part. He's like, trust me, you're going to love this part. He didn't say any more. And it took me two weeks of recording like, before right. I figured out that I was the lead on the show. Oh, my God. And it, had, and it had, took Chris Sabat going. You're a bright bulb, uh, I, I was this, And Goku's just as clueless. He's just as yeah. clueless. So, so Chris, Chris, two weeks in the show, Chris finally gets on the talk. He goes, you realize, like, you're the lead character on this show. I'm like, really? Oh, wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Which is very Goku thing to do. And, yes. and so, I, and then after I realized that, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So, so, so this is interesting because he, he, you didn't even think about getting that character, I didn't. right? So, mm -hmm. so do you? Why do you think you got it though? Um, what do you think it was about what you did that actually, you know, you made you stand? You out? know, I, I, I give my old producer a lot of flack because he was pretty hard on me, but I did. I do think he had an eye for casting, and I think Chris was actually more influential in casting than he likes to let on. Um, but I remember him telling me once, and, and and Chris Chris would probably agree with this. I don't like to speak for the man, but. He, I remember being at a meeting. I go, "Why did you cast me in this character? Why?" Because I mean, I, I sound, I, I voice match. And uh, the original two Goku's, by the way, were Ian Corlett and Peter Klamas, who are fine uh, voice actors in their own right. And they, they, you know, they they just move productions, so that happens to us sometimes on shows. And, and I, I think it sucks because I always want kids to have a consistent voice yeah. on a show. And there's a story behind that too. But um, uh, I remember talking to Barry about. It. He's like, "I just cast you because you are him. You are that." It was more about my attitude and. And my spirit, uh, my inner, I guess my personality was yeah. more, mm -hmm. he just saw the character in me. Because I, I, when I listen to it now, I'm like, wow, I don't think I'm voice match that as good as I thought I did at the time. But as far as playing the character, and, and what was really weird is that on the audition, there was no screaming test. So when once we got to the real mm. screaming, when Goku goes Super Saiyan for the first time, yeah. Chris told me after the fact, he goes, when we called Jim, we didn't even know if 
you could do that because I hadn't done it before. Yeah. You know, luckily I was a huge fan of metal and I'd done my own metal <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne screaming in right, my room and, right. and, and ACDC and stuff like that. So I was ready to rock and yeah. I'd been blowing on a 12 and a half foot tube for 20 some odd years True. at that yeah. point. So all that breath support <laughs> Your and breath energy. control was already there. It yeah. was already there. <laughs> so once we had to do the scene, I saw it and I'm like, I have no idea if I can do this, but I'm mm -hmm. going to go for it. And it was just like all the way and it, it ended up working. Steel. It was it was very scary. Wow, do you man. find, because um, you do ADR directing. I was an ADR director for three years. I worked where Michael Sinter Nicholas at NYV Post mm -hmm. for three years. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Do you find that that is a benefit to you as a voice actor? Or what kind of director were you? I would say, Sean? I, I, yeah, I, Sean. me as a director is, it, it, I, I moved to New York with nothing. Well, I had 5,000 bucks and nothing. And I moved into a brownstone and I knew Michael Sinter Nicholas. Um, I moved there to, to be with a girlfriend who understandably dumped me six months after moving there, and I don't blame her to this day, and we're friends, it's fine, but uh, at the time it was a big fight. Um, but I moved to New York, and uh, I was gonna study acting, and I thought, well, I'll, move to, I'll, you know, I'll date the girlfriend, and I'll, I'll study acting in New York, because it was either in New York or LA, and this is yeah. in 2002. And I got there, and I told I wanted to be a producer, and I went to I was friends with Michael Sinderin because I'd met him at a convention uh, previously. And I said, "Hey, Michael, uh, I, I want to be a producer." And he goes, "I don't need a producer. I, I need a director." And I said, "I want to be a director." And uh, <laughs> uh, and he goes, "All right, I'll get you a show." And so he got me a show, and I made every mistake you could make as a director. And then finally, once I stopped trying to micromanage every line after my first show, and I just let actors bring what they of brought course. to the table, mm -hmm. two things happened. My shows got way better, and I I consider myself, if if you consider me to be a good voice actor, and if my fans consider me a good voice actor, it's because I got to direct the best talent in New York mm -hmm. oh, for, for two or three years. I worked with Veronica Taylor, Dan Green, Wayne Grayson, all those guys. Yeah. I would sit there and watch it, and I would just listen and just learn. Listen. Yeah. I would just absorb, absorb, yeah. absorb, absorb. And and so and, and my acting went much, much better uh, mm -hmm. after observing them. So I, I feel like I owe all my old homies yeah. uh, back in New York a uh, debt of gratitude for you know, indirectly teaching me as Heck I was yeah, directing man. them. Yeah. Um, and I have this rule, I have this rule towards directing. I have an 80% rule. Once we're up above 80% of where I want it, if we get into the 80 to 20, you can call it the 100% and 110 rule, whatever you want to call it, 120 rule. Once you get up there, if I don't understand it and I like it and it's something weird and special, I'm keeping it because I find that when I do that, it allows the actor to bring something unique and special to the table. It, every read doesn't sound the same because I'm not I'm not forcing them to do my music, mm -hmm. and then I get a, a better product overall and a better storytelling all overall because they can bring that that magic. Of so course. as long as it's right, not right. in the suck zone, I'm like, yeah. okay, I hate that. Yeah. But once we get into that zone, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, let's do and, it. And not only that, man. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why you guys keep getting hired all the time to do your thing is because. You take a script, you know how to make it come to life, yeah. and do your thing and add the magic, yeah. make it better, make it funnier. Why mess with that? Yeah. You know what and, I mean? And that's and, yeah. and besides that, I was wearing myself yeah. out trying to micromanage every actor. So I saved on energy, my show got better, I learned a lot. Actors were happier because they got to bring what they, you know, their specialists. Right. And then right. I had actors complimenting me going, Wow, thank you for trusting my reads. And I go, well, if you'd got me a year ago, it wouldn't have been the case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would have been teaching you how to voiceover. When you're better at it than me. Um, so uh, I, I'm very grateful to all the people, and I'm friends with all those people to this day, uh, and some of them have moved to New York, uh, I mean, moved to L.A. Uh, uh, after the fact. So that's how that's I got cool. on Dragon Ball and, and, you know, and how I, mm -hmm. I ended up... Uh, that's so cool, uh, man. To, and, I, you know, and, it's, and, and I'm such a fan of... I, I, what's really great for me is... Is, is, is that what made the transition from you 
being like, you know, a musician, a teacher to actually just doing voiceover? What, Dragon Ball? Yeah. Well, that was my first audition. Yeah. No, no, Ever. I understand, oh, but okay. it was that like the the point where you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do this. Actually, yeah. Well, what happened was it was like, like I love French horn playing and I love being a musician and yeah. I, I love the instrument and I remember thinking I'd never love anything more and then I remember going to work going, felt, feeling like A, I'd come home yeah. and B, I was like, holy crap, I like I this better this. and yeah. I'm better at it and I... I, I'm happier and I make more money. Holy crap. Yeah, I, I can't I, I, imagine yeah. you doing anything else. <laughs> you I swear to God. You're sweet. You no, no, no. I, no, for, that, that yeah. goes on multi levels. But, yeah. but because, like, what other industry, first of all, you're the kind of guy, just like Jess Harnell, that if you guys had any kind of other job, like, they'd probably be like, why do we have this crazy oh, I, guy working for our company? I worked do in a, think, What do you think you could do? Oh, my you, I was so bad at so many anymore, jobs. What would you, ha what would you do? <laughs> if I, if I what? If you could not do this anymore. If I couldn't do it anymore, well, if I if I had no hearing, I would definitely try to do the visual arts, and I'm a terrible uh, drawer, um, but I try. What do you think you would be good at? Um, other than this? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I, I, you know, I used to be in sales, and I don't like sales unless it's a product I like. Um, and I, I <laughs> like Lunesta, for example. Like Lunesta. <laughs> oh, Louise, I'm Lunesta. I, I would love, I, well, I love writing, and I, I wrote a lot of my scripts. I, I would definitely write... I would definitely write screenplays or scripts. I would like to do that. If I could start over and do it all over, I would have definitely not gone into horn. I would have tried to learn electric guitar earlier and been the next Joe Satriani. Ah. I would have loved to have been a solo uh, yeah. guitar soloist. I, I would love to have done that. Um, and let's see, I'm trying to think of other things. I almost went to medical school. I used to want to be a doctor. Um, really? I really like, yeah, I like science a lot. And I like, uh, uh, I, there's a lot of science stuff I like. Um, I, yeah, I, I just too. can't see myself doing anything else. Maybe directing if I couldn't act, but yeah. you know. But I remember getting fired from so many jobs <laughs> where like, do this inventory, and I'd hand them the sheet, and there's elves I've drawn in the corner looking <laughs> at the numbers. And we, there's elves looking at the numbers, <laughs> oh, they're counting dude, for me. Like funny. weird shit like that. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> what what are some of the top talent that you've had a, the, the, the privilege to work with, and maybe what are, who are some guys that you'd like to still work with? Okay, well, I... I have met all of my voice acting heroes and hung out with them, with, yeah. with the exception of Mel Blanc, who's deceased, and yeah. uh, Rich Little, who's still alive. And I tried to catch a show in Vegas, and I couldn't make it. He's still alive. He's still alive, and yeah. he's still good. He's yeah. still got. He's wow. st he has a show in Vegas. He still does. Unbelievable. And I saw him doing a presidential dinner in like in the mid two thousands on YouTube, and he was still really yeah. rock solid impersonations. That guy's amazing. I love Rich Little. Um, uh, I. I have the privilege of doing one Scooby-Doo episode with Frank Welker, which oh. I tried not to cry the entire time, and I did cry during the session. You did? Oh, I totally cried. I couldn't help it. That's I, it a was, moment. yeah, I was just, wow. yeah. I couldn't believe I was sitting in the room with it. I just couldn't yeah, freaking yeah, believe really it. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Um, and I, you know, I'm friends with uh, and have met since I moved to LA, Bill Farmer and Jess Harnell and Maurice Lamarche and you know all these guys that I and Phil, uh, Rob Paulson. Yep. Um, and these are guys I remember watching Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs and trying to do those voices, not even thinking, hey, I want to be a voice actor, or I would yeah. like to, I didn't even think, I didn't realize it was a job, you right. know, for, I was in high school, college, and I'm like, and oh, the original Ninja Turtles, all those mm -hmm. guys, Richard Horvitz and those guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love all those oh, guys. Oh, Richard loves you, man. I, Richard. Well, Richard and I, we, we bond over cars, and and, yeah. and, and the so fact great. that I think he looks like Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> in fact, he was the one and that said like, at the airport, he goes, hey, Chuck, you have to meet my friend, Chuck, oh, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good we Richard. This guy's great. Barry hey, Manilow. I, 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 oh, Mandy. I love Barry Manilow. So I, I, we were talking. I said one of the reasons I, I mentioned Jess is as I bump into him, and it's always like I feel like I'm bumping into like um, a, a magical wizard pirate who flies in on a ship <laughs> with like ladies, and then he just flies away, and everything's great. It's like Jess. Just, I feel like 
Every time I see him, he just floats. And I always picture he just floats in on some wire <laughs> well, that I can't some see. Wire. He's like, hey, man, how's it going? I can't even do a just so I don't impression. That's then good. He, you know, yeah, and then he tells the story, and it's always kind of raspy, but then he yeah, can always hey, clear man. it up. Right. He can always, yeah. hey, man, yeah. but then he clears it up. And he does the perfect Paul Stanley impression. Perfect yeah. Paul Stanley yeah. impression. Well, so, you guys, I would actually like to hear you and Jesse do Michael McDonald's <laughs> together. <laughs> have you ever heard his Michael McDonald's? I have not heard his Michael McDonald's. Mine's more of a jokey parody. It's not real. He's, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I'm going to send him my Sweet Peanut yeah. Butter Freedom parody. He okay. yeah. freaking love yeah. it. So I would love to work with Jess Arnold only because I, I have a feeling that if we had the right parts, when I, when I say work with Jess Arnold, I mean, or any of those guys, but in the booth where you get to riff off each other and play off yeah, each other. you guys would go nuts that, together, I yeah. feel like sure. we're drinking similar but different Kool-Aid. Yeah. And I would, and I mean that in a metaphorical way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, not in any kind of, I don't want people reading into that, but in, you know, similar uh, ether we're drinking from in terms of our, mm -hmm. our where we go. And, I, and I've watched his videos in the booth, and I'm like, I, yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I know, I know, not exactly what he's doing, but I, I see where he's going, and I'm like, ah, that's a guy I want to work with. Mm -hmm. that's, that's cool, that's man. A guy. Any of those guys, but in, in particular, Jess, I'm like, yeah, if I'd picked a different path, we'd be in a band together, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. My yeah. Hair, I'd grow my hair it out. It might still happen. We might throw that you tuba in there. Know. I would love that. You I got would... a life, lot of life ahead of you. you that's true. Know. You never know. You never, you never know what's going to happen. never too late. So on another note now, Yes. Because um, I, I, I thought I heard you mention uh, about something about this, so maybe you can elaborate a little bit. Um, what has been maybe, you know, a, a, a touching moment that you've uh, oh, had gosh. maybe with a fan that's like really like just touched you? Man, it'll break your heart. Um, well, I'm you, sure you've had hundreds of them. I have. I, well, I've done work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We recently yeah. um, met some terminally ill children in the hospital. And, and that's always a tricky thing because we want to do more of that work. And what I've discovered from doing that work is you know, meeting with terminally ill children requires a whole lot of uh, legal permission, parental permission, and these kids are not necessarily always feeling great. And yeah. so you'd think that they would, you know, you'd, you'd get more requests from uh, some uh, something like that because a kid would say, hey man, I, I watch this cartoon, I'd love to meet these guys. And sometimes they do. Um, that is always heartbreaking, uh, especially when they're terminally ill children. And I've also, over the years, met numerous people who, uh, particular, uh, in particular, who've lost a loved one. Yeah. Or, uh, and, and in the early part of my career, it was, it was usually people who had lost somebody in the Gulf War. Um, I, I've met people who've lost their spouses and, and they just cry and you just can't, you just gotta hug them. Yeah. You know, you can't help it. And, and, and it feels wonderful to be a part of, like, you know, it's kind of a weird, like, voyeuristic kind of, in, in a healthy sort of way, like, um, you know, they don't know you, you don't know them, but you know that when they were sitting there having those good warm fuzzies, your voice moment. is vibrating into their head. Exactly. You know, and that that's a, that's something you don't ever forget. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. a, it's, and it's, it's, you know, that's would be the core of why. I, I mean, I want to make the, you know, the happy fans happy, but the ones that are really using it as a place yeah. of solace. Yeah. I have my own solaces when I'm sad and depressed. My own music, my own shows I lose myself in. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing about those actors. I'm like, oh, I'd love to meet that guy. I was crying yeah. watching that show and they made me feel better. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's such a, it's kind of a weird, uh, almost like a, a you know, uh, Almost like a strange comfort food for for people. Yeah. Who, it's a form of ending suffering, you know. Yeah. If some kid is getting bullied at school, and the only way he can feel powerful is to come home and feel like Goku or feel like Vegeta. Yeah. And I've met so many kids who are like, "Yeah, I was a fat kid who's picked on," and they're cut and yeah. they're ripped. Yeah. And I look like a fat forty-something, <laughs> and they're like cut and they're like, Goku inspired me to do this and they're and like, I don't get bullied anymore. Yeah. My, yeah. my work like, is done. Um, you know what I love awesome. about some of these cons, awesome. man? Is that, I mean, because I don't go there to sign autographs except for CDs when, you know, when my band is playing out at one of the cons, but I get to really watch and, um, 
these people are, are they go here and they they have to go home pumped because when they go here, you guys treat them so well. Like they are like, the, the, the they are, you know I mean? Like you're the fan, you know? Oh yeah. You, so, you guys make those people just feel so good. We yeah. try, you it's know? It's mutually beneficial as it should be. Well, that was part one with Sean Schemmel. Is he crazy or what? He's crazy Freaking great. nuts. We're going to be back next week with part two. It's going to be awesome. Yes, and you can keep up with Sean on Twitter at Sean Schemmel and keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, too. We love you guys. Thank you so much for watching. And just remember, you, you always, always have, have time for a little fun. Listen to B.O. Buzz Weekly, watch the show in stunning HD video at VOBuzzWeekly.com on their YouTube channel or on the app. B.O. Buzz Weekly is sponsored by Chuck Duran's Demos That Rock. Rock. The voiceover demo producer to the stars is now available to you. Visit DemosThatRock.com and take your voiceover career to the next level. See you next time. And remember, you always have time for a little buzz.